Have you ever gone to a church service, a worship service, and the Bible was proclaimed with power of the Spirit of the living God, and you felt like you had your toes stepped on? There ain't anybody getting out of here today without that. Sorry. I want to share my pleasure. Okay? We are looking at a text, chapter 5 of Ephesians 22 to 24, the priorities of the wife. Let us read the Holy Word of God. Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their husbands and everything. Father, uh, I'm going to need you to teach this. I beg your throne that uh, you open our hearts. You open our eyes that we may see. We may embrace it. We may love it. Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Okay, I shared with you last week what happened to our society began, it was fostered, it birthed itself, whatever you want to call it, in the French Revolution. The French Revolution was basically the populace rose up against the monarchy and the church with the hierarchy of France, and uh, the people basically got sick and tired of it. If you just want to go back in your history, I can show you. It repeats itself. I think a lot of what we're dealing with today in this country is foundational to the French Revolution. Basically what happened in the French Revolution, I mean, they got rid of the monarchy, they kicked the church out, da-da-da, they did all right. But the key thing that happened is, is at one time in the riot, they took a harlot, took her into Notre Dame, and placed her on the altar and told the priest... To get out from now on, we will worship her. Okay. And what it was, what they were saying was, we're going to worship man. Okay. For us who love history, that was the birth of humanism. Okay. Man is the ultimate authority, the ultimate wisdom. He's got it figured out. If he doesn't have it figured out, he will get it figured out. Okay? Brothers and sisters, you and I are eyeball deep in that right now. And it's just slowly been growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. Okay? As that grows, you have people who are coming to salvation who are in that, who propagate that, who act that way. Listen, every one of you are guilty of it, of humanism. Okay? Don't... Sit there while all you don't know. You're guilty of it, I guarantee. And I, you don't believe me, wait till this message is finished. Okay? But what happens is, is that the things of God slowly get pushed to the side. Not, not the big things. We will hang on to them big things. But them little things, it really ain't that big a deal. If this will work, we've got it, you know, I can't see that big a deal with it. Problem is, is that you're disobeying the Word of God. Okay? So, let's start where I left off last week. 1 Peter chapter 3, the same ways wives be submissive. Okay, now, do you realize what he's saying here when it says the same ways wives? Okay, stop right there. What was he referring to in the same way? Same way as what? Verses 21 to 25. What was that? The submission of the Lord Jesus Christ, who committed no sin, or was any way deceit was found in his mouth. While being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. While, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins on his body on the cross. Okay, look what it says then. In the same way, wives, be submissive to your own husband, so that if any of them be disobedient to the word, Unbelieving husband, disobedient to the word, may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. But he doesn't stop there. As they observe a chaste and respectful behavior, 
Your adornment must not be merely external, braided hair, wearing your gold, putting on dresses, but a hidden person of the heart, a heart issue, with imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Got it? No problem, right? Quiet, gentle spirit coming from the inside. I'm not worried about the external. Okay, let's be realistic. You get dressed, it'll go out of style. You'll need a new dress. You get jewelry, all right. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty. I need something new. You get a hair one time, this hairdo's in. Next time, this hairdo's in. So it's always changing. But he says, I want you to deal with the things that are imperishable in their quality. What is imperishable in their quality? A gentle and quiet spirit. But ladies... What would you like to have of value before God? What does he say? This is precious before God. What is? A gentle and quiet spirit. A, word, a greater preoccupation with the inner versus the outer. Okay? Verse 5 is where I want to pick it up. In this way, the former times, the holy women also who hoped in God. Note that. Holy women. How do you know a holy woman? They hope in God. Used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. And then he gives us an illustration. Sarah obeyed Abraham. How much did she obey Abraham? Calling him Lord. Any husband been called Lord in here? <laughs> We're all going to say yeah once I remember. But I think it was done in a profane way. <laughs> okay, now look what he says. here. This is illustration is mind-boggling to me. The holy women of old were submitted in such a way that they gave reverence and respect to their husbands to the point of calling him Kyrios, Lord. Okay, please understand that this is a function. Remember the word to submit, hupotasso, come up under? It's a willingness that says, because I respect and reverence you, I'm willing to come up underneath you. But also remember, I've shared this, that your own husband, okay, that makes it possessive. Okay, the husband possesses you and the wife possesses the husband. So it's a mutualness. And and I haven't gotten to the men part yet. You're not going to like that either. But anyway, because we're coming out of Ephesians 5 and it says, be subject to one another in fear of Christ. In the book of Galatians, Abraham is described as the father of the faithful. Here it says that Sarah is the mother of the submissive. If you are a daughter of Sarah, you are submissive. You are meek. You daughters of Sarah have a quiet, gentle spirit. Daughters of Sarah call their husbands... Lord, see how things have changed? It gets worse. In verse 6, calling Him Lord, you have become her children if you do what is right. Okay, what is doing right? Respect and reverence for your husband. Okay, gentle, quiet spirit. Submissive. Right? And you don't have to be frightened by any fear. Now, the context is a woman who is married to an unbeliever. Now, the Bible already teaches me that a believer should not marry an unbeliever. Period. Alright, so, but what can happen, two people are married and the wife comes to salvation. 
What does she do? Did you just see that? She lives a life that looks like a daughter of Sarah. So that possibly, maybe, her husband will be one to Christ without putting repent on the bottom of his beer bottle. The life is something that is attracted to it. The hope is what attracts. And the woman can do this because they trusted God. They have no fear of obeying God. Now, ladies, you say, well, I don't have a fear. You will before this message is over. I have no fear of obeying. If it was an abuse, then God knew it. And guess who will take care of it? Oh, it was abusive. Here, I'll give you God's 1-800 number. Call him, tell him. No, he already knows. See, obey God, then I submit to my own husband, ladies, regardless of his spiritual condition. They do it in a meek and quiet spirit. Do you realize that I have never biblically or personally met a woman who badgered her husband into heaven? I've never seen that. Responding the way the Lord wants you to, you won't have anything to fear, ladies. Believe God, and He'll honor that. Let me give you another text. I won't go into quite the detail that I did when I went through the book. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Be imitators of me. He says, then in verse 3, he says, I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man and the man ahead of every woman. And God is the head of Christ. Every man who had put something on his head, praying or prophesying, disgraces his head. Who did he disgrace? Christ. Every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. For she is one and the same woman whose head is shaved. If a woman does not cover her head, let her have her hair cut off. This is disgraceful. Okay? Now let me explain to you what's going on. There was a a women's lib movement in Corinth. And all women, as a sign of submission, wore a veil. Okay? The head covering. They wore a veil. There were two kinds of women who did not wear a veil. One was the harlot. Okay, you want to see what you're buying, right? Okay. The other was those rebelling for equal rights. Other than that, every woman wore a veil. Paul is saying God designed it the women be submissive. A sign of their submission in Corinth was what? Wearing a veil. But I'm free in Christ. There's only two kinds of women in Corinth that didn't wear veils. Do you want to be identified with either one? See? It's really kind of simple. We get hung up on the veil thing. You know, I taught this in Russia years ago. And it was one of those, you're like, well, I hope this works out all right. But then I noticed that in Russia, they wore veils. If a woman was single... She had a veil on her head to show her submission. If the woman was married, she was sitting next to her husband, and that was her submission with her hair. That's what the Apostle Paul says. The hair on a woman is her adornment that covers her. All right? When she is married... And that's why women have long hair and men are supposed to have shorter hair. And if you look at it, women's hair grows faster. Okay? There's not that many women go bald. There's a bunch of us guys who's working on it. Okay? But do you see what I'm trying to get at? 
All right, God designed it this way, that women have their hair covered, their head covered. When they're praying or prophesying, what do they do? They have their hair. Okay? There was two kind of women who did not wear veils. And a holy woman of God don't want to be lined up with them two. Ladies, keep the veil on, is what Paul is saying. Not today, we don't have to worry about them. Okay, Paul was saying in the society that was Corinth, recognition of submission was a veil. The two that weren't submitted did not wear veils. Listen, it's not a bad principle. God gave women, and if you look down there in verse 14, same chapter, Chapter 11, 1 Corinthians, Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him? Some of your translations say it was shameful. If you look in the, New, in the Greek New Testament, it means both. Dishonoring shame. Okay? Women's hair is longer. Verse 10 of that chapter. Therefore, a woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head. Look why. Because of the angels. The angels see the submitted woman. However, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of the man, nor is man independent of the Woman. The word independent there in the New American Standard is literally without. Man is not without the woman. The woman is not without. If you look at this text, one of the spiritual gifts that nobody ever talks about. We always like to talk about the spiritual gift. But there's one in chapter 7 that nobody wants to talk about. Chastity. Singleness. Anybody in that line? I wish to be supernaturally empowered to be single. That's the shortest line in the spiritual gift. But it takes a spiritual gift if you think about it. It does. It does. Verse 10. Because of these angels. But then, uh, you know, to me that's an amazing text. There are angels... Looking down, Peter tells me there are angels longing to understand this redemption. Okay, they look on it and completely perplexed by it. Now they've been around a lot longer than you and me. Okay, they sit there and they go, "Wow, man, he redeemed these things." Okay, but now they're looking at it because of man's nature that this woman is willing to cover herself in submission publicly to her own husband. And the angels are like, oh, can you believe it? I don't know if that's exactly what they say. I don't speak fluid angel. Another verse quickly is for a man ought, verse 7, not have his head covered. See, the Jews believe he should cover it, but that's a mistranslation a misinterpretation of Exodus chapter 33. Because here it says, actually, here Paul is exegeting Exodus 33 for a man ought not have his head covered since he is the what image and what glory of God cool you want me to read the rest of it you guys want to read it and the woman is what the glory of man glory of man See, man is an outshining of God, a representative. Why? Because he is in the headship. Women have this covering as a sign of submission. Paul is saying a woman takes the place of submission in society. And she should not violate that place. Wayne Mack, I met him years ago. I think he might be dead. 
But he set up a series of family counseling and family, Christian family life and stuff like this. And he made this statement one time. A virtuous woman will call attention to her husband. A virtuous woman will call attention to her husband. I thought, man, you know, that Wayne guy, he's like really smart, ain't he? So, let's see if I can just make it worse. Chapter 2, book of Titus. This is speaking on holiness. Do you understand what holiness is? It's not some piety thing. It's not some, ooh, the person seems holy. They burn candles and incense all the time or something like that. Holiness means set apart. Okay? So for those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, we are set apart from the world. You know what that means? Different. We are different than the world. That is holiness. Verse 3, older women. I'm not going to make eye contact with anybody. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips or enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Okay? Older women are to be teachers. People ask me, can women teach? what it says okay but they have qualifications to be teachers they are to teach younger women you know I understood this for a long time and one of my heartaches for the church we've lost this we've lost it I can give you a numerous reasons, but I know that the change happened between my grandparents and my parents. It began moving on this older women teaching younger women. Because I remember my grandma taking her two daughters and taught them how to quilt, how to can how to play in the dirt. Some of you call it grow gardens, but I call it playing in the dirt. They taught them all of these things. How You know, does anybody use a clothesline? I don't ever remember not using a clothesline because the clothes always smelled different. Okay? To cook. And this was before microwaves. <laughs> I mean, they actually had to cook things. I remember my mom and my aunt making biscuits from scratch that their mother had taught them how to do that. Same thing's true in the church. That's gone. But yet it's a fantastic pattern of life if you think about it. Okay, he makes some observations here. Let's look at it. Sensible, temperate, dignified... Okay, but their behavior is not malicious cops, it's enslaved to wine not, and teaching what is good. Okay, we have to ask ourselves what this is, because what he's dealing with here, this is a, is a grown-up. Okay? I don't get in trouble. Have you ever seen young women? Have you ever seen young wives? I don't know how I'm going to say this. <laughs> They're kind of scary. Okay, I mean, it's just sort of like, bing! You know, it's, it's it remind, they remind me of those, do you remember them jack-in-the-boxes, you crank them and all of a sudden they go, bing! And that's the way they seem to me at times. You're sitting there going, wow, man, what made you ever think of that? Okay, that's not the ones you want teaching. You want the older women who are more concerned about things that really matter. Okay? Now then, 
I'll show you what things really matter. Encourage young women to love their husband, love their children. Those things really matter. Now, you know what's mind-boggling to me? Now, this is, you know, I'm a little pea brain here. Why would you have to tell somebody this? Why would I have to tell women who have gotten married and bore children that they need to love their husband and love their children? Why would I have to tell them that? I know the answer, but I am not stupid enough to tell you. Okay? But if you just look at it, tell me that it isn't necessary. Right? The word here is philandros, and it literally one word, it's a, a man lover. Love your man. But notice, remember, they have to be reminded to do that. Okay? They have to be reminded. Remember? I, I get this a lot. You know, in the Bible, it, it says that, you know, hey, men, you have to love your wife. Remember Ephesians 5? Men, you need to love your wife. Guess what, ladies? Ha <laughs> ha, you're up. You have to love your husband. Okay? Both of those texts tells me that there's an issue. You can say, well, I do that already. Then why did the Holy Spirit said remind them? Again, here it is, that mutual balance, authority submission, leadership following. Just as much responsibility to love the husband to the wife, the wife to the husband. They, and you know what I found? Just a little footnote. You ever notice this? People respond to love. You ever seen that? Craziest thing I've ever seen. If you love somebody, they respond positively to you. It's really crazy. And they actually at times will love you back. Because it's mutual. Philocheknos is a child lover. Tell older women, tell the younger women to love her children. Love her husband. The word there is agopon. It is self-sacrificing love for your children. Self-sacrificing love for your husband. Okay? Old women are to teach the younger women to be a husband lover and a child lover. But it also says, be discreet. That's not a malicious gossip. Be sober. Chaste. Encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children. Be sensible, pure, then here's the favorite one that everybody loves. Workers at home. Okay? Some of your translations may say keepers at home. Good and obedient. Verse 5. The end of it. Older women doing this to younger women. Why? So that the word of God will not be. The literal translation is blasphemed. Spoken evilly of. This text says dishonored. God wants his word glorified. This is the issue. It's not a matter of you being... uh, Leave it to beaver family. It is a matter of us making God's word glorify. God wants his word exalted. First Thessalonians 3. When we don't live by his word, it is dishonored. We are saying 
When we are disobedient to the word, we are saying the difference. What difference does the Bible make when we disobey it? Ladies, wives, if you're going to honor God's word, then you are going to love your husband. You are going to love your children and you are going to invest in younger women to love their husband and to love their children. Hupatasso. There it is again. Obedient to your own husband. That's the possession. Same word as submission. Be subject. Wives to your husband. And submission. Now here's one that should just thrill everyone to death. Verse 5 there in the middle says that they are to be workers at home. Do you know what that means? We have a problem in America. They ain't nobody home. Do you know how many mothers with young kids work outside of the home? I seen a survey that was done in 2000, so it's 21 years old, that said one out of three mothers work full-time jobs with children under four. Question, who's raising the kids? Who's caring for the home? It says they are, the word here, is ergon. It's one word. Ergon. It's translated keepers, workers, keepers of the home, worker of the home. Wives should work at home. Okay. Ergon has in it a task. I have a task. Okay. If you have a job, you have a, a task. Okay? It's employment. Let me give you, keep your mind on that, but let me give you some other references of this word. Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, verse 34. It was like a man who went on a journey, and upon leaving his house, putting his slaves in charge, assigning to each one his aragon. Task. Okay? John's Gospel, chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his aragon, his work. His task. The Gospel of John, the Lord's Prayer, John 17, Jesus prays, I have finished the Aragon you have given me to do the task. Acts chapter 13, Holy Spirit says, Separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the Aragon which I have called them to. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 30, I do the Aragon of ministry. 1 Thessalonians 5.13, speaking of elders, you are to esteem them highly for their Aragon, their work. Okay? Older women are to tell younger women that their task is at Home. First Timothy chapter four, chapter five, verse fourteen. Therefore, I want younger widows to get married, bear children, and aragon the house. And give the enemy no occasion for reproach.
keepers at home. Older women are to teach the younger women how to be keepers of the home. Make a house a home. You make a house a home because of your love for your husband. You make a house a home because of your love for your family. A woman is to be a one who does her task at home. God is saying the standard procedure for a wife and mother is to work inside, not outside of your home. Back to obedience to your own husband. How are we doing with that? Everybody comfortable? If you are outside of the house, you have situations, ladies. You have other authorities. You have others giving you orders that are not your own husband. You are under other bosses. You are under other bosses. You're not going to believe this, but you are under other bosses who do not know biblical principles. Listen, you guys know I love history. I came up through the 60s and the 70s. I know what was going on. I was a hearty partaker and I thought it was an excellent idea. And Jesus Christ says, let me show you how stupid you are. Okay? A lot of what I see what we see in our society is directly, hear me, directly related to the loss of the woman in the home. 2020, there were over what they classify as cults, 3,000 cults, there's been more, have been, and they attract some odd 10,000 young people a year. You know why? Because people who grew up with love in the family and it wasn't there because they were providing. Are desperately looking for love. Why are there gangs? Why are there the Bloods, the Crips, MS-13? Why are they? Why would they do that? Because they found family and love in a place they didn't have in their home. They may have been in a house with a parents, two parents, but they're, that ain't a home. That ain't a home. That's why women, older women are to teach the younger women how to keep home. And when the woman loves the husband, and loves the children, you know that that is the anchor in our society? And that anchor is gone. It is flat out gone. My generation removed it. See, the issue is that when the children are there, and the husband is there, is there a home? Is that woman loving her husband self-sacrificing, loving her children, self-sacrificing, and is she working at home so that the kids will always know that mom is where? Home. Let me tell you something, ladies. God bless you. That's a full-time job. Women have an amazing task. They are the anchor of the home. Do you realize... (laughs) I've had several homes, houses, properties as a single man. And it's really weird because you could tell it was a single man. Because the pictures were sitting on the floor underneath the wall that I thought they might look good on. I had brand new dishes that were still in boxes and wrappers because I'd have paper plates. That is not what women do. Women make it a home. I think of a Johnny Cash song. I put on my cleanest dirty shirt. Women don't do that. Okay, now listen. If you're stay-at-home mom and you think you're spiritually, look at me. Let me tell you something. You've been warned. 
Scripture warns you, do not be a busybody and do not be a gossip. If you're an older woman, you should be finding younger women and teaching them how to do it. You know, I, I look at it and God has designed it that there is a protector, a preserver, a provider. And I think that's awesome. And I've been through the Bible. I looked hard, ladies. Nowhere in the woman called to do that. Nowhere is the woman to be the protector. Nowhere is the woman to be the preserver. Nowhere is the woman to be the provider. It's not biblical. And I'm going to hit this one home. Chapter 5, 1 Timothy, verse 8. The context is dealing with widows. Okay? That's what he's talking about, honoring widows. Look what it says here. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Because you know what? As soon as I say, women, you should be in the home, making it a home. Okay? Well, what happens if my husband leaves me? What happens if my husband dies? What do I do then? What does it say? See how far our society has fallen? It says your relatives take care of you. That's what the Bible teaches. No, you should go get a job. You know, you got skills, you get, get a career, get you some schooling, some education. Not what the Bible says. Not only that, it says, it says you don't do it, you're worse than what? An unbeliever. See, guys, you don't get off of this thing as easy as you thought you did. You was working two jobs to support your wife, now you got the sister-in-law. So I got three jobs to support these people. But I'll come back and the pictures will be on the wall. And we'll be eating awful like glass things. Listen, the woman is not able to make her way. God designed it that way. Why do you think Peter called her the weaker vessel? Especially those in your own home. See how that picture just grew? Okay. The woman... is to be provided for. Period. But you know what? There's nobody home. They're working. If I'm related to a person, a lady who has been made single, either through death or divorce, I'm responsible. Okay? Then everybody does the first thing. What if there's no relatives? Right? Then it's the church's responsibility. I watched them do it with my mom when my dad died. Craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. When uh, my stepdad died, uh, her two kids are on the other side of the Mississippi. Church jumped in. I mean, we go back, we put a dishwasher in for her. I mean, my brother's a plumber. I used to be an electrician. You know, we can do this. <laughs> okay. We've done that. But the, the neighbor kid, I mean, like right next to him, there's no fence between the two houses. He's got one of them whirly derby lawnmowers. And he cuts like three houses. <laughs> Just goes up and down and up and down. Cuts my mom's grass. And my mom gives him $20 a week for gas. But they take care of her. Church takes care of her. Her pastor calls me on a semi-regular basis just to tell me how she's doing. I said, you know, I talk to her once a week. My brother talks to her every day. So, and then, of course, she's got sisters and brothers around. We don't do that anymore. Our society doesn't do that. My generation managed to pull that off just slicker and a boom. Look at here, buddy. We can just dump you. Why? Because I am important. She should not have to forfeit her task. God has given 
the wife, the mother, a task, a job in the home. Well, preacher, what happens if they don't have no children? I got no children, you know, and, uh, or, hey, my children are gone and they're off and wound in the world and everything. Listen, the church should be taking the young ones and teaching them this so that when you don't have any kids or they, they've, they've gone away, then you can teach the younger women what you've learned. You pass it on. Generation after generation. And they don't have to be kin, because you gotta remember if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, then we're passing it on to family anyway. Listen, the church has neglected this thing for centuries. The Catholic Church has a, uh, offering for the widows and orphans. But you know they don't do that anymore? I asked, what's his name up here, Brad, about it? Cause, you know, they had the widows and orphans. You know what he said? Everybody's working. When you tell a widow, or divorcee to go out and to get a job, you're saying abandon the task that God has given you. And the church has neglected this. Let me see if I can put it in American. The woman is not to be the breadwinner. Okay? The problem in our society today is that we want... And because we want, we both need to work. Okay? I mean, I watch it now. I, I, yeah, my daughter is blessed right at this time, but I watch what my son did, and, and I, I watch all these people. They, golly, we got us a little bundle of joy, and yahoo, I got me a kid. Three months later, the babysitter is raising your child. Listen, it has an impact on our church. It has an impact on this church. Working woman is the major part of inflation. Did you know that? You know what inflation was before World War II, coming out of the Great Depression? 0.5. You know why? It's only one income. If I've got two incomes... And that means you got more money to spend, right? And the people who make things says, I can raise the prices. Why? They got more money. Then we came up with a great idea. This piece of plastic right here, you just slide it right through that thing right there, and by golly, in 22 years, you can pay it off. Two earnings have more buying power and when you have more buying power, the prices go up. I mean, look at it. I mean, I looked at a motorcycle. A motorcycle. It's a motorcycle. And it's a nice motorcycle. It's a pretty motorcycle. So I asked the guy, how much you want for that? He says, I can make you a deal on it. I said, all right, well, how much? He says, 43.5. And I just looked at him and said, you know, you still got to put your feet down at a stop sign, right? I am not giving you $43,000. No. Uh, look at cars. Both of my trucks have groanings that only the spirit can discern. So I thought, well, I'll give me a car. So I did a cursory glance at that and said, good Lord, I bought my house for less than that. All right, well, you got two incomes. Listen, the church has fallen woefully low on this. Okay? It's, listen, I hate to talk about it, but I'm going to. It has to do with giving. I remember when Dr. MacArthur got hired as the pastor at Grace Community. Co congregation was about 250 people, 200 people, I think, something like that. And they had had two pastors before him, both older men. And they both died within a year. 
They took the pulpit, they preached, they died. So the church, you're not going to believe this, I'm not going to tell you this. The church took care of the widows. Paid the house payments, electric payments, groceries, car payments, insurance. Church took care of it. Guy hired a second pastor. Boom. He dies. Church stepped up, started taking care of her. Right? John says, that's the reason they hired me. I was 26. They figured I'd live longer. (laughs) Okay? The church has fallen down on this. But you know what? Men, so have we. So have we. Now then, ladies, you're going to say, you know, I have an empty house. I'm investing in younger women. I'm doing what I can. I still have energy. What can I do for work? That is Proverbs 31, and that will be next week. Let us pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Father, I beg your forgiveness. As as a husband, as a father, as a shepherd, that Lord, uh, we have fallen so lax on this. Father, I pray. I pray that if uh, some were convicted of this message, hallelujah and amen. Father, if some were encouraged by this message, the same hallelujah and the same amen. Father, I also know that once we are given the information, we are now responsible for it. So beginning with me, my king, help me to be the provider the protector and the preserver of my family. And may every man in this room be so inclined. Father, it only can be done through you, and I'm trusting you. You give us these things. You give us the strength to walk in them. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name, amen.